It's the Sod Pod. Brought to you by Grassland Agro. The Sod Pod. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the Sod Pod. We made it. So when we look back over the episodes we've ran so far from our soil sustainability program, we covered fertilizer calibration and first cut silage, grassland management and breeding. We also done a stint on clover, had a grass 10 competition, silage management. Of course, we had our consultant vet Bernard Furlong in with us. We covered Pika with Bernard as well. And also in the last episode, we covered biodiversity. And look, keep the feedback coming. We're really loving the, the reach outs that we're receiving and suggested topics that we can cover. We're open to that to bring the listeners what they want to hear. But on this episode, we're going to cover something slightly different. Of course, we have our sustainability program, but one part that's often overlooked is social sustainability. What is social sustainability? Yeah, I'll take that, Jim. But man, Chad? Yeah, social sustainability is basically twofold. The first one is within the farm gate, and that's really about having a, a work-life balance, which is something that maybe, especially in dairy farms, beef farms, tillage farms, we can often fall down on. You know, we just don't take enough time. And then, I suppose, from the broader picture, from an industry point of view, it's, it's down to the social license to farm, which... You know, it goes back to biodiversity, protecting water quality, animal welfare, all these different aspects. But I suppose we'll kick off with the with the work life balance first and um you know, I suppose moving across to from we'll start with dairy, we'll we'll chat about beef there, um and then we'll go into tillage. So Sean on on dairy it's probably something that, you know, dairy farmers are always busy, you know, all the time. Yeah, that's one way to describe them. But like, uh, I suppose I would argue that sometimes you come across farmers and they just have to take too much on and, mm. you know, they're killing themselves and, yeah. you know, they're, they don't have a social life. Yeah. And uh, I suppose a lot of farmers were saying it during COVID that sure we were isolating anyways. But like, yeah. whenever you actually think about that, it's a very poor statement or it's a p- very poor reflection of an industry that there's, there's not much life to it. And I suppose we need to sort of, we were in Palace Gennery College there recently and Derek O'Donoghue was talking about one of the, one of the huge potential problems, a, a, a problem that he has at the minute, not being able to source a farm manager. But coming down the track is trying to get trained staff to work on a farm. Yeah. And I suppose Palace Gennery is a modern outfit and they still can't get labor. So very, very worrying. Uh, like It's like a nutrient management plan. It's like anything. It's farm specific. We have to look at our own farm and try and make it that more, maybe a more enjoyable place to work and to entice young people or old people or any sort of people to come in and work. And I suppose that comes down to working hours, it comes down to facilities. There's people spending three and a half hours in the milking parlour in the morning and in the evening. Seven hours a day in the milking parlour. Yeah. Do you know? So, like, it's just we really need to address... We need to make farms that are not already more labour efficient. And I think it's... But but even going back to John's point there, just comparing beef and dairy and tillage farms, like, just from a livestock point of view, like... um, Obviously, there's more margin on a dairy farm and it's more profitable. Um, there probably are, are a lot of 
things bee farmers can do to to make the system more profitable you know grassland management been a, a, a big one I, I think because the margin is so tight and so minimal on bee farms bee farmers probably try to do a lot more work themselves trying to cut down costs and, and that is an issue and, and it is a lot more affordable and it's a lot more or a lot easier for for dairy farmers to to contract out slurry silage spraying joy you name it grass measuring grass measuring yeah big one yeah mm. but going back to sean's point though on, on the milking that is a it's a colossal part of it martina gormley and owen McHugh done a good bit of work on the milking side of things what they found that the the 16 and 8 uh, milking interval had no impact on on production so it's just a just keep that in mind that it had no impact on profitability on farm that 16 yeah. and 8 interval um, no no impact that's a key point so the, you see a lot of the bigger herds now they'll be going for the cows three o'clock so basically the time to meet them is between nine and, and, and probably three if we're doing a fertilizer plan because they want to get finished up and that's really important like you know the cows aren't going to have any more milk if you leave them for a 12 hour interval like you know if you milk at six in the morning and you start at six in the evening and it's been consistent with the two john a lot of farmers do that though you know they wouldn't milk they wouldn't start until five half five six like you know and dinner snooker like there's no no way to, to yeah, finish at a reasonable hour every farmer's not going to be finished at six o'clock right that we just have to accept that and we're not saying that there's anything wrong with milking after six o'clock but maybe what's done during the day take it take it an hour or two off or to do something else or to spend time doing a, a hobby or or something we just it, we need to we need to have a serious look at it because mm. it, the cows will always have to be milked. Yeah, that's the most important job in the morning and in the evening, or if you're once a day system, that's the most important job. Fertilizer will always get spread a day or two later. Slurry the same. All them jobs. That's the main job. And in years to come, if we can't get pe- people to milk our cows, we're in serious serious trouble. Let's look after ourselves here. You know whether that's you're going down for a game of handball or you're into hurling or you want to go down to the local and take rugby like Dave. Tech rugby like David, exactly. Yeah. But no, no, not a fairman, no, be herdstock. They'd want real rugby now, you know. Now, how long, James? We're not promoting people to go down to the local pub during the day. Let's just. <laughs> That's a good point, <laughs> That's very uh, socially irresponsible. To milk the cows. Yeah. But I think there's a. I think there's. For a walk or something. What? Yeah, do whatever you want. Like, sure, there's the most bizarre. Sure, Sean follows one in football. Like, no. That's a fair hobby now. That's, yeah, um, that's a, that that's must a, be tough, actually, Sean, but yeah. that actually be a hobby or a hindrance. I suppose it, it, it is very important, though, that people do take the time and uh, to do something that they're interested in. And listen, to be quite honest, like, an awful lot of farmers are, are most interested in farming outside of what happens in their own farm. Like, you know, so go to a show, go to an open discussion day, go groups. to a discussion group, you know, have a social outlet, go to the pub, go to the mart. You know, that was a big loss. You know, the Martin Ennis mm. is, uh, there's some amount of work that's done in the Martin Ennis, like, you know, between lads chatting and, you know, having different ideas. But I suppose we go into the beef after, we, the dairy, just maybe to finish it up. There's a point I just think is very important is that, I suppose, and it's it's a bit of a, a controversial one again, but, you know, the, the Chagas model of maybe the least cost isn't always right. If you can free up four hours of your day by investing in a milking parlor going from 10 to 20 units, then I think that's something that seriously should be factored in over the actual cost of installing. Obviously, it all has to check out within your your cost of production and the repayment capacity and stuff like that. But you have to make the farm a nice place for yourself to work, even if you talk about machinery, having safe machinery and having functioning machinery. It doesn't have to be fancy, but you know that it's clean and it's it's warm and it's dry. You know, we see a lot of 
tractors with no back windows or missing doors for feeding and during the real hard winter maybe having to you know all these things are, are are the small things that farmers can invest in to give themselves a quality of life and a quality of workplace but it's, for is, but it's frowned upon like. themselves it is too, frowned upon like. themselves too John but uh, as Sean said the staff that are coming in like, and, and that's the other side and, uh, and, and trying to retain staff um, 7 o'clock is the, is the average finish time across that study like, and, that's the, and that's the key driver of, of, yeah. of, of not being able to retain or bring on staff yeah. um, is, is because of a late finish time I, what, what I would say is like it's all got to do with the environment like I, have a, I haven't a massive amount of experience milking on different farms but I have milked on, on various farms and if the environment's right if you know that you're going to be in and out in an hour and 40 minutes in the evening you know that you're going to be finished at yeah. quarter to six or that that's massive you, you'll milk seven days a week if needs be Do you know if you know you'd nearly be given out to on some of the farms if you were there after six o'clock I just think that's that that's the it's way. culture, it. yeah, a culture in the farm. Like there's, you know, there is a bit of martyrdom sometimes. Like when it comes to farming, that you know, you want to be out earliest in the morning and at home late at night. Like you know, but it's some it's some lifestyle. Like it, whenever you spend, like I was lucky enough to spend uh, a lot of the summers growing up there on the uncle's farm and that. And like Saturday mornings there, you have the milk in, you'd be feeding the calves. The calves be headbutting you in the legs, left, right, and centre whenever <laughs> you're feeding them. Then you go in for the the breakfast. You'd have the the, t- the milk from. Right. The so what are you doing it one one day a week and, and the farmers yeah. listen to this now we're doing three, some three hundred, lifestyle I thought was 365 yeah, days a year yeah. hot milk in the cornflakes he was winter Jesus. milk as well isn't he yeah 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 so he was milking literally every single day yeah, 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 but well, you did a you did a few Saturdays, so yeah, but the, the facility- but that Saturday probably gives him a break as well because you're there able to help out as well, and he can manage his social life there as well a bit on that side. Once once you have the good facilities and you know that the working day is flexible and that you prioritise the important jobs and you tr- just try your best look after. But keeping structure structure around around those two big jobs in the day is the morning and evening milking keeping structure around them and fair enough there's going to be times of year where you're going to have to bring in bales in the evening or fucking change young stock or something like that you know or whatever it be yeah. but um, just trying to keep structure is and like obviously there's a huge shortage on the relief milker out there look it's huge noise and it's huge pressure but if we look at this differently let's not talk about the shortage of the relief milker what could we the farmer do to make life easier, to entice a couple of relief milkers in. And is it that structure? or I think it should go up to uh, a metal, right? So one of the big problems with a relief milker is that farmers want you for the spring and then that's it, right? So they want you to be there morning and evening in the spring and then, you know, unless you're going after all inside it or something like, you know, you can't expect someone to work for just three months of the year during the busiest time, hard conditions, you know, tough work. So, like, I think if you get a situation where there's a group of farmers, they might necessarily have enough work to keep a, a full labour unit, which is another one we'll get onto because that's a pet peeve of mine. But anyways, if you have one member of staff that could work in a rotation around three or four farms that they know very well, and then they could act as on a rotational basis then for the rest of the year between those farms, so they all get a, a day off. The labour unit one is one is to really drive it home I think is just so cold and ridiculous really that you know we, we talk about labour units and we talk about how hard it is to attract them but these are people and we're calling them labour units mm. yeah. you know it's yeah. it's demeaning I, I feel like yeah it's a, a measure and I always pick up on it myself when I'm at a discussion group or anything like that and when the farmer references the name of its David or Sean of the staff that he has in the farm rather than call them labour units. So I think, personable. 
Yeah, but not even that. It's just a, a sign of maybe, you know, that they, they understand how valuable they are to the system. Um, because, it's it, you know, it is very impersonal and these are real people. Like, And it's it, it, sometimes you wonder, you'd say it's no wonder that it's so hard to for some places to retain staff. Like if they, their only reference is uh, a labour unit. Because it, this is all driven by people and maybe... It's probably the the people management is something that maybe a lot of farmers haven't had to actually deal with before. Maybe having too high expectations of staff or too low expectations, giving them too much mundane work. You know, you have to give people ownership, responsibility, make them part of the team if they're going to flourish. Like, and they're going to really add value to your farm system. And like, oftentimes they pick up on different bits and pieces. You know, these people who come in to help out in farm as well. That can be just difficult too. We talked about the start there that farming they isolate and occupation that it is or whatever and that someone that might have been working with their father or growing up and then, you know, the father might have passed the, the farm on to the, yeah. the, the son or daughter and they've been working as a close knit or as a team for it's not uh, 12 months, it's it could be 12 years. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, suddenly we're trying to promote the social license and to promote taking a break, one or two milkings a week. The people management, it, they just, they're maybe they're not trained on it. They're not used to it. Do you know, they're not used to it. They need to get used to managing people because you, whenever you employ someone, whether it be on a part-time or a full-time basis, you're now managing that's your job and farms have become businesses they've grown they've developed it's a, it's a business that each farmer is running and they're doing a very good job at it but it takes a lot of time and in my opinion a lot of farmers spend too much time whenever they could be subcontracting some of the labour mm. or, or machinery work out we could get we, Sheedy might come in and give us a share what do you do? ideal yeah perfect you, you get on to him? yeah I'll have a word he's an expert yeah, but maybe I don't know him at all. Maybe I'm a catfish. <laughs> yeah, like the two Johnnies. Come on, Jim. This is uh, Nicky uh, from the two, the two <laughs> yeah, Johnnies yeah. podcast. James Freeman. He recognised the voice. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely. I I, I think they're great points. But it's it's also important because there was some survey recently done by Chagas of the well-being of farmers i suppose effectively and i i, I had a wry smile about the terminology is some of them I'm not sure they were getting on average anyways like you know which uh, usually when we meet farmers as well it is it, kind of they never say they're flying it anyways like but um it i suppose it is it, it really highlights that you know that, that it can be very um lonely thing and that um, that's that's what it, like as Sean was saying those outlets like even seeing other farms like going to discussion groups going to like just even seeing what what yeah. other farmers are doing like it'll give you an idea of what you could incorporate onto your own farm because you, farmers to be fair and I I know myself from home I know we're not dairy farming we're beef farming but there could be fair tunnel vision there um, yeah so like on the dairy and Sean I think you summed it up real well we might go into the beef then like and I think you made a good point Dave about. The, you know there isn't the same amount of cash around so they want to do as much as possible themselves but they don't make it easy for themselves either like sometimes like there's a great story about Pat Corbett and the Queen of the Herd will you tell us tell us about the Queen the pride and joy of the the suckler herd in in Liskalan yeah sure she's a, a Jersey cross probably she's I'd say she's suckler cow now yeah suckler cow yeah yeah suckler cow yeah she came from West Clare back near Doombeg she must be with us now, what, 10 years I suppose. She's nearly reared a, a herd of cows now at this stage, to be honest. Like, I'd, say, I'd say we put maybe four or five calves through every year. That's 10 years, that's a lot of calves. Like, you know, but uh, yeah, milking away, lovely, not a bother. But um, 
yeah, double sucking her. Jesus, it's an awful lot of a lot of labour, you know. But the father loves it, and sure we do fall out over it. But um, she's probably she, yeah. she, she she's made made the most money on the farm. But if you if you put in the cost of labour, that's the thing. Like, you know, like you could argue like that. But there's a lot of a lot of farmers at that. I know, sir. That's what I'm saying. A lot sure. of farmers, yeah. But like you would you would be having rows with Pat like about. I know, yeah. But he always puts her in calf then as well. Oh yeah, yeah. She'd be in calf, sure. She's yeah. She'd wear a fine calf herself, sure. Not about her. But then... Limousine cross. Pat, Pat would be <laughs> letting the calves in and out there in the morning and evening, like, you know, which is probably an extra an extra job, like. Sure, like, he has to be he has to be home every evening, he has to be there every morning to do it, like, you know. And that's that's for a few months of the year, like, you know. There'll be... Uh, <laughs> come another month's time now, there'll be another bout of calves under her. And uh, they'll probably be last, the last crop of calves now and they'll, they'll be weighing off her when they're looking down on top of her. Yeah, and then Dave, on the, the beef side of the house, probably it's, uh, I suppose, the mart is a great social outlet as well. Like. Yeah, serious, serious social outlet, John. Yeah, savage altogether, you know, just, just meeting farmers. Or my own father works in the mart as well, and it's, you know, he wouldn't give it up, you know. He loves it, like, you know, even for the social side of things, like, the stories he'd be coming home with, characters he'd be meeting. But yeah, look, even going through, going through and we were only talking about it there, John, before we started the, the recording this, like, you know, even watching the dealers there at the mart, like, you know, it is, uh, it is entertainment in itself. Yeah, definitely. They'd be pulling each other and yeah. trying to be effing and blind and whatnot. You have a lot of farmers, dry sock farmers there that is working Monday to Friday and doing the bit in the morning, doing the bit in the evening and then having a, a day and a half's work on a Saturday. And I suppose facilities could probably, a well set up farm could turn that day and a half's work into a half a day or, or even, you know, social, just not to be, you know, working from six o'clock on a Saturday morning till six or half six on a Saturday evening. Do you know, you need mm. to sort of, it can be done and farms can be set up that it's, it's whether it's a, a, a young neighbour down the road that can come in and do the few jobs on a Saturday and let someone away or that. If a farm's well set up and there's instructions left or whatever and that they can be easily followed, you know, you're going you're gonna to keep staff or you're going to hold on to that bit of help that you have on a Saturday. Definitely. And like on the beef side, another big aspect of it is the part-time farmer, you know, so they're trying to catch up on a lot of jobs on a Saturday morning, maybe where there's a bit of help around. But again, I think on, on beef or dairy, facilities are so important and investing in, you know, what's going to make you money? Like, so good infrastructure, that's going to imp- increase your profitability. But just moving cattle just turns into such a, a heartache if you don't have some bit of a grazing infrastructure. You can't always be focusing on profitability. That's what, because if you were to always focus on profitability, you, you'd be working, you'd be, you wouldn't be letting anyone else do it. What do we focus on? No, but you know, you have to. Do <laughs> the hobby farm now that's been ready. Yeah. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. What I'm I saying want to is, make money at home, Charlie. What I'm saying is that if or, if we get two, what's time worth? What's yeah, an hour yeah. or two hours worth on a Saturday evening? Like, like, I think if you change your turn of phrase slightly, when, when you're focusing on profitability, you have to put a cost to your exactly. time. Yeah, yeah. So we agree with you, Shawnee. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Look, you, you have to. You have no, to. you do. In, you have to invest money to make money, like you know, and that yeah. that, that, yeah. that is a and that's the overarching. But the greenfields is a prime example like you know you know a lot of the time people give out about the topless cubicles i'd have no issue with topless cubicles they're absolutely perfect very good but just smaller things like you know there was no feeders in the parlor like for 350 cows like so manhandling meal for all them like in the accuracy the you know now that's from early on the time now like you know and that was kind of the new zealand way but the it's not New Zealand we're in either, like, you know. So, like, I, I, I think that you need to have 
facilities are fit for a purpose. They don't have to be all the bells and whistles. It doesn't have to be feed to yield, but just a good practical labour efficient system. But one, one simple thing, John, for, for, for it's not it's for any livestock farm is is grassland management and it's back to the infrastructure. If you can invest in that, like good quality grass often, even on a beef farm, you know, if you can get fresh grass in every, yeah. you know, three or four days, like, you know, on, on a rotation basis and that's all, all going to be driven by infrastructure. But yeah. that's key to profitability, like. And then, then on the tillage side of the house, just to give them their fair share as well, like that, you know, there is this perception maybe that the tillage farmers are busy for, you know, three weeks of the year, two weeks on and a week harvesting, but they are so impacted by weather is that the actual amount of available hours to, you know, spray fungicides, herbicides with wind as well, like, because we just think if it's dry, then, you know, they can do whatever they want. And then in the harvest, it's, it can be a huge problem as well. But they end up working very long hours over a very condensed period. And there's so much pressure then because the margins are that much tighter. And that's, and that's stressful too, John, on the, on the tillage farmers. Huge, you know, yeah. try, try, Trying to find those windows. Myself and, and Sean and, and Killian Gregory were up in, in the Orchard County there last on an, on an apple farm. And that farmer talked to us about trying to find windows to put on foliar sprays like you know possible uh, and if and if the shower rain an hour after putting out a, a spray it has to go again absolute headache that was a high profile farmer that we were with and one of the things that that struck me what he said was that he'd know a lot of apple growers um and within the county and across the, the island of ireland and what he said was he doesn't know of anyone under the age of 40 that has got into apples okay. in the last 20 years like you know it's it's i don't know like and that 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 farmer is relying on maybe 20 25 staff is that what he said whenever wow. the picking season's getting on so do you know i suppose it just goes back to the social end of things and we're relaying he he has accommodation for them the, the workers that come in the seasonal workers and he has a really good setup and he gets the same staff every year so yeah. he is obviously doing the job right but if he didn't get that and his window passed for harvesting that's a, a lot of money it's the same with if you don't get your crop of, of cereal in if you don't get the spuds in on time you know there's a lot of labor required to, to get the crops harvested i actually want to ask you james your own opinion okay social media is an outlet for farmers you see the the amount of farmers on social media james is you know probably remarkable like it's been a huge outlet for them as well it brought on a, a new aspect when you look at the farms up and down the country and what they're able to do they're able to engage with with an, a newer range of people not only across the island. So historically, we were having a big chat there about the Mart or the local pub or the GEA club or wherever, that in social circles that people could interact with. And Sean, you just referenced um, the apple grower and he knew about 30 apple growers in the, in the same area. So you have these little social circles, but what social media has brought is more and more of these guys into your life and into your world. Social media is not for everyone. Everyone understands that. Some people like to be on it to observe. Some people aren't on it. Some people are afraid of it. But there's a lovely element of talking about what you're at and learning from each other as well. And that can be really good, especially during COVID. It really took off during COVID as well, where was that element of lockdown. And, you know, we weren't able to go down to watch the local under-15 team playing hurling or whatever it was. But uh, it's just been huge. It's a lovely outlet and we can, we can uh, communicate with each other. What's the best platform maybe if someone is, to, you know, maybe if there's a farmer uh, in the different age groups and they want to interact with, like, what, what would you be saying maybe if, uh, a 40-year-old... <laughs> Who'd be forty? <laughs> so that kind of that 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 late middle age of forty. What, what would you best place to start if they're not on social media? 
Twitter definitely uh, I suppose Fairman is huge on Twitter it's nice short and snappy obviously there is a bit of bad press that will always be associated with Twitter there can be a negativity yeah. cesspit there but like if you look at the farming circles that are there there's really great debates and, and talking uh, about what's going on we take the, the newer wave the younger breed of the farmer they love the world of Snapchat and that's now evolved even into TikTok there as well which is massive for are we, we're not on TikTok no not just yet we probably uh, we'll see <laughs> we, we'll see I'll set it up Davey dancing away there to be ideal you know but it's, it's, it's unreal the amount of farmers that is actually interacting and getting like implementing things that they might see on someone else's farm if they post up picture of that and then have a go out in their farm like you talk about discussion groups like yeah. social media is very very powerful too yeah. like Again, it's social, and that's the big thing. Yeah. And like, it's all about respect, respecting each other. Like, you know, when you've put up something out there, people will come on and be so complimentary. But hey, look, I mean, now and again, there's something to be conscious of. There's always one ass out there to maybe say something bad about what you're doing. But like, the reality of it is, people support each other. It's a great circle that you'd be talking to a guy in in Letterkenny and Donegal could start engaging. You could be down at Causeway in Kerry, and you go, "Oh, you're so similar in so many ways." And that can be. A a lovely outlet as well you know download your app there onto your mobile phone set up your little profile and just have a look around and see what guys are doing and uh tip away it is a nice other angle but it's really helping our social license like you know we t- you talked about the, the two pillars at the start there john everyone's on social media or all most young people is on it and it's a very powerful tool so by farmers going on and and i suppose giving us an insight into the practices that they're carrying out in the environment that they're working on it really is helping our industry the ag industry in ireland it's gold dust we have something really really unique that other people don't have we're doing a good job of promoting our industry but i I just think that you know we can we can step up and yeah I think we're it can it deal. can be it can be very contentious like you can get the you know a strong vegan component in that give out about anything at all that's put up in relation to to dairy and especially but listen like it, it's just about how we engage with them you know not getting into an argument trying to open a dialogue it's the same as how we engage as farmers sometimes there are strong opinions generally it's a very positive place but sometimes you can get dragged into bits and pieces now that you know yeah. pr- probably don't need but great for the scores and matches as well no oh, ideal for that and most importantly great to get the word out there in relation to wordle which is a <laughs> a brilliant game that uh, James is obsessed with, and you can <laughs> you can let the world know how you're getting on. There's an element of jealousy within the sod pod <laughs> at my success rate on world. Let's be honest. Did, you, did you get it this morning, James? Or me? I times? haven't gone near it yet, Sean, because I've been quite busy. We talk about work life balance. I'd come in at half six this morning to get organised for you to land in. So I hope to get to world now this evening, just after I eat the spot. Very good, come on, James. Fair play. So look, lads, we'll wrap it up there. That was lovely, insightful conversation on on social sustainability little tips let's do it in a summary sense analyse every job you do and see what jobs are essential make sure you find as much time to balance that work and life together and bear in mind work-life balance can actually still be down at the mark having a chat with the boys or girls below learning what's going on and uh, look make time for you and your social circles and, and just as we always finish up mind yourself out there farm smart farm safe Hey, thanks for listening to the Sod Pod. We hope you enjoyed it. To find out more, head over to www.grasslandagro.ie or check out our social channels Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. That's all for this episode. See you next time.